Okay. So let's start us off with five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, two, one. In the times of brick phones, tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Okay, uh, so again, I am Alice. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris. And uh, you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. And today we have episode four, Cradle of Hope. But before we jump into episode four, I wanted to discuss some mildly heavy stuff with you. <laughs> mildly heavy yeah. is... Uh... My favorite kind of topic. <laughs> sure. So I'll go for it. So um, it all started with me scrolling through TikTok because I'm one of those uh, 37-year-olds. And uh, there was a TikTok of two lesbian gals just listing the things that made them realize they're gay. Very much close to our format. And since they were, I would say, maybe closer to your age, Xena was one of them. <laughs> Aww. I mean, that surprises no one. That but... surprises no one, but it's it's nice. It's nice to see. But what I wanted to discuss is this. It's a very, like, um, not very popular, but like very convenient phrase to discuss. Like, oh, this made me gay or this made me gay. And it weirdly corresponds to like this whole shebang that is going on in... Um, country we used to live in about gay propaganda right about like certain things being able to alter your sexuality and i mean not to say that like this topic is completely ridiculous but it's interesting that there are certain things that of course they do not alter your sexuality but they help you realize certain things about yourself and just i don't know i i want to uh know your thoughts about where where you stand on those sort of things. Yeah, to be honest, sometimes I feel like uh, conservatives have a slightly better understanding of social processes than than liberals do. Conservatives <laughs> conservatives do tend to phrase things in a, in a very extreme way, which is not necessarily how, how things are in reality, but uh, still they sometimes put their finger on something that I think liberals are afraid of talking about or, mm -hmm. or mentioning. And of course, conservatives tend to be uh, hateful and horrible when they talk about these things. But still, the, the level of understanding, I feel like, is sometimes uh, more aligned with how I tend to think about things. Uh, let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. with, the, with the gay stuff, conservatives sometimes say that, oh, gay people want to destroy what what we understand as f family and i'm like i mean kind of yeah because <laughs> it needs to be destroyed it's a horrible concept <laughs> yeah yeah your your understanding of, of what family is and how it functions 
and what roles are acceptable in in what you call a family that fucking sucks we do want to destroy that and liberals would never say that liberals are like oh no no we the, the, the gays they just want to be like part of that system everything is great they'll just like just make like a little more space for for them and 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 then it'll, it'll be great it's like no no that's no that's not enough i i don't want you to just like carve out a little niche uh for me so that i can just like follow all of your stupid traditions and uh mold myself into into something that i have no interest in i would like to yes break things it's because your things suck and uh we want to do things differently and sometimes conservatives uh just have a better understanding of like yes this is this is what is at stake and now we're gonna uh you know destroy people's lives to prevent that from happening whereas the liberals I, I would say actually like the liberals are the conservative ones because they're like oh no no let's let's keep everything exactly the same mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and uh we we can imagine a world where everything stays exactly the same we just like make a little more space for you here and there just like a little bit just like let's shift things like one centimeter a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i remember back when same-sex marriage got uh, legalized in the uk it was legalized by the tories and mm -hmm. david cameron specifically said like yes we're legalizing same-sex marriage because it's a conservative thing to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i remember at that time being like yeah yeah, that makes sense. I I, yeah. I I didn't think of it that way, but actually now that you say it out loud, which I think most of the people don't, they're like, oh, look at this amazing progress, same-sex <laughs> marriage. Um, no, it, it's it's a like it is good. We want same-sex marriage. Don't 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 get me twisted. Like, yes, give us that, but uh, it is like a way to conserve the institution of marriage by just like opening it up a little bit as opposed to, you know, looking at it and being like, do we want that? Is that really the best way to do things? Maybe not, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a different field, but I feel the same way about, uh, we cannot help it by being gay, we're just born this way. Mm -hmm. and born this way argument always rubbed me the wrong, the wrong way. And the best answer to it was, uh, I once saw on a t-shirt where like, I, I did not choose to be gay, I was just lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe some people are born with this way but i just don't want to even i don't want to even have this discussion yes. because that implies that like oh it's they cannot help it like they would be straight if they could have yeah yeah like no one would choose that if they could <laughs> like i would so not choose to be straight oh my god <laughs> no ma'am no ma'am yeah but i'm i'm 1000 percent with you like i feel like this whole discussion about like oh but are people born gay? Are they not? How how are how does this happen? I'm like I don't <laughs> I don't give a shit. I really don't care, and I don't understand why you care. And actually, it makes me kind of suspicious that you care so much. Yeah. Because like, what's at stake for you? Okay, let's say you find out. What's your next step? Yeah. You don't have to explain your heterosexuality to me. So like, why is it the other way around? No, for sure. Yeah, that was the mildly heavy topic. <laughs> that I wanted, wanted to raise before jumping into 
the episode that I was not crazy about. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We, we rated the first three episodes quite highly, and something's telling me that we finally <laughs> will have a lower rating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we jump into the episode, episode four, Cradle of Hope. And we open on a particularly shitty, I mean, theatrical set. Like, anyway, we see a king and we see a lady who is supposedly like a parker who drops the stones. So I, I assume that there are runes and she has a prophecy for the king. Were there runes in ancient Greece? Isn't, aren't runes like a Scandinavian thing? For sure they are, but I do remember that they are going to appear multiple times. Really? Yep. Well, okay. I mean, Xena is a mixture of cultures. Like, yeah! We start in ancient Greece and then we slowly go all over the world. Yeah, already I would say that this, this king, I get like a medieval vibe from this king. It's a thing we've seen a Warrior Princess show. Like, the richer the people are, the more advanced in time they are. <laughs> So the woman has a prophecy for the king and we get into like some good old Greek tragedy stuff. So she says that although the king's son died a few months ago, a child born to a servant woman um, who conveniently dials up childbirth also is going to someday occupy the throne of that particular king. And that concerns the king tremendously. Yeah. And so when they say it, when the woman says it, Everyone's like, oh my god! Da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, okay, so the king is mortal, right? Like, one day he, he dies and someone will be on the throne instead of him. Like, that's... Everyone should agree on, on that being an inevitability. But still, everyone freaks out. Because the, the king is like a whole-ass adult. It's the oldie-worldie times. Who knows how long <laughs> he's gonna live. Yeah, the thing is, like, the king is like almost 40 so he has like five years left yeah the, the child is a little <laughs> infant so i mean let's say like, let's say the child like does want to overthrow him the earliest he can do that in this, like maybe 15 years by that time the king's gonna be dead <laughs> chill the fuck out <laughs> yeah the, the king's logic in this episode is a separate topic but like we'll give them that that's like a typical a Greek prophecy thing where like we have someone trying to escape the prophecy and of course it's going to make it that the prophecy comes to life for sure. So we have the king who is more or less reluctant to kill the child but we also have another character who is the advisor of the king who seems very keen on that idea. <laughs> And it also is interesting that king's advisors usually are assholes. That's kind of like the role. Like if there is a king and an advisor, king might be more or less okay. An advisor is for sure the asshole. That's a good Uh-huh. There is a, a saying in Russian that the tsar is good and it's the boyars that are that are bad and maybe that's uh, a continuation of that trend like we we can't we can't fully admit that that our our monarch is a piece of shit so we're going to just project all the stuff that is probably also bad about about the the monarch onto 
it's closed advisors. It's it's them. It's not it's not him. Yeah, because they are disposable. Like we can overthrow. Like we we can throw away a couple of advisors, but the king is going to stay. So. True. Yeah, that, that's this uh, not really attractive trend. So it seems at this point that they are more or less keen to kill the child, or at least, like, I don't know, put it in a tower somewhere. Later, the king is going to be in denial about that, but we'll get to it. But a servant girl who was, I don't know, changing the candles or doing something in the throne room overhears the prophecy and decides that she's going to save the child. And she takes the child, puts him in a basket, and loads the child down the river Moses style. Yeah, and I, I think we should take a moment here to appreciate Prince of Egypt uh, that also came out in, in the 90s. Uh, of course, I'm sure many, many films and, and TV shows uh, depicted that uh, that moment of sending a child down, down the river in a, in a basket. But uh, as a child of the 90s, I immediately thought of, of Prince, Prince of Egypt and it's just, it has one of the strongest soundtracks. Every time I watch that opening song, it sends chills down my spine. It, even though, like, I, I don't care about the the religion stuff. It's just, it's just really, really good. Yeah, it is. I agree with you that the soundtrack is incredibly powerful, and there is the song that Jewish people sing when they leave Egypt. Every time I hear that song, I get choked up like, I, I never have heard this song i was not crying at the end of it yeah yeah it's it's exactly the same with the deliverous for me the the opening song but surprisingly here uh, as well as in all other instances where we push the child down the river <laughs> the child just does not die although it seems like a very unlikely situation um and uh xena is um attracted by a weird sound that nobody no neither Zina nor gabby can figure out what it is um, and they go down to the river and they find a baby but before they find the baby the detail that actually kills me is that Zina hears a crying baby which is it's very hard to confuse with anything else it's a crying baby and Zina draws out the sword <laughs> yeah it's like okay there's something making a sound that sounds like a baby, but maybe, and they, they keep guessing, like, maybe it's a cat. Like, even if it's a cat, I don't think you need to draw your sword to def defeat a cat. <laughs> Let the cat do its cat things. And they they keep just not understanding that it's a crying baby. They, they go towards the sound. They, they stand, like, maybe a meter away from from the baby uh, and then Zena looks through the reeds and has to tell Gabrielle, oh, it's a baby. It's it's a bit confusing. Gabrielle has uh, very confusing notions of like uh, childcare because uh, she sees the baby, she thinks that the baby's cute. I'm like, oh, Zena, can we keep him? As if they're going to keep a kitten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, given that she assumes that he would be her little brother, I don't think that's how it's going to work out, girl. <laughs> <laughs> when they find the baby, we, we go to the, to the intro sequence. What I noticed in that sequence was that basically the, the chakram has the same issue that our boob dagger has. If you, if, 
listened to uh, our previous episodes, you you know about the boob dagger. <laughs> the problem with the boob dagger, and I realized the chakram as well, is that if it's sharp, which we're led to believe it is, it's too sharp to also like catch or grip tightly, which Zena does all the time. But if it's not sharp, it's kind of useless. I would truly believe that Zena is capable of catching really sharp objects. Her hands are hands of steel. Yeah, 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 that's, that's fair. Uh, the way that I explain it to myself is that the chakram is kind of alive because it, it goes in all kinds of weird directions. <laughs> it can like decide to go like left, right, top, bottom around and it always comes back right to Xena regardless what it does on the way like it doesn't get stuck it doesn't lose any momentum so I would think maybe the chakram aside from having like built-in GPS <laughs> uh, it also has like sharpness settings that it adjusts literally on the fly Nice. Well, it is magic, so it's yeah. it's a little bit of a magic flying carpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there an episode with the origin story of the chakram? I think it is, right? I don't remember. Somewhere down the line. We'll find out. So we're back to the baby, and I love that Xena is treating this crying baby like a malfunctioning appliance of some sorts, which I find very relatable. Uh, she's like, <laughs> why is he crying? Are you holding him wrong or something? Like... Have you tried turning him off and then on again? <laughs> um, but we're back to the king's chambers and he's staring at a mural of his dead wife. And I would say I was satisfied with the mural. It was more or less like it had this ancient Greek feel because I was afraid it's going to be a portrait. Like an oil painting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the king advisor assures the king that the child will be found. Um, and the king is slightly less enthusiastic about killing a newborn. He, it's not like he's against it. He has some minor doubts. And that sets him up as a good guy in this episode. Right, right. For some reason, even though we don't see him do anything particularly good, it's very firmly established that's like, he's just a good guy. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like it's the point that the screenwriters just kind of shove down our throats that the king is good, but we really we don't see him do any good thing or any thing at all. He, most of the time, he's just dragged in any sort of direction by his evil advisor. So yeah, he just hangs out. <laughs> yeah, but it's, we have to accept yeah. it. Well, is there anything more important about? uh the scene that we should mention nope. no i think not and we're back with gabby and Zena and the unnamed infant infant they stroll down the woods and they walk into an angry mob trying to lynch a woman and we don't find out why so Zena, of course interferes she cuts the rope with the chakram as you mentioned mm -hmm. And um, she hangs the leader of the bunch by the neck because they were trying to hang the woman. Mm -hmm. And she asks any volunteers to replace him. So, of course, everyone runs off. The leader runs off. I, I, I enjoyed Zena kicking some ass. Mm -hmm. And uh, a woman that Zena saved 
uh, it's very chill about people attacking her and like uh, Gabrielle asks if she's okay and she's like yeah I'm fine like it's just another day for her yeah yeah she's like yeah I guess they tried to, to kill me no no I'm cool I'm cool I'm all right <laughs> <laughs> I'm chill yeah. uh, the thing that she's not chill about is um, her um, carrying a ludicrously capacious bag uh, shout out to those who <laughs> watch the succession Gabrielle tries to carry this bag on top of carrying the baby. A little butch moment from Gabrielle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when she kind of handles it in like a wrong way, the woman is very nervous. And the rain hits suddenly and they are very conveniently find a cave in the woods to shelter from the weather and have a quiet conversation. And I feel that in this show and in a lot of other shows, and in my LARPing games, whenever we want to have like a quiet conversation on the road, there's going to be a convenient cave around. Aww. Nice. Nice. I didn't know that. Like for, for me, it was just like, oh yeah, sure. Fine. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a plot device. And Gabby ends up dropping the bag in the cave and the woman freaks out. And then Gabrielle gets like weirdly defensive about it. She's like, bitch, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but you dropped the bag. Like, what? You did something wrong. Why are you being so weirdly defensive? Yeah, the humor in this episode does not quite work. No. There's humor in this episode? But we find out, da 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 da, that the woman's name is Pandora, and the bag is actually Pandora's box. Although it's not this Pandora, it's her grandmother who opened the box. They just name all of the all of the women in the lineage Pandora. Hi, I'm Pandora, and this is my daughter Pandora. <laughs> uh, and um, my mother Pandora is back home. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was a son? Maybe they send the the sons down the river in a basket and they do not make no. it <laughs> yeah so she explains that as in the myth all men's desires were released when pandora opened the box they they say desires but as i remember there were like also disasters yeah like what what's what's this desires thing i don't think the the original myth had anything about desires it was like no. plagues and diseases and and yeah that kind of shit but for some reason here it's desire it's like and what does that even mean like all the all the know. men's desires were released like and 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 <laughs> like resulting in what <laughs> now people want things i have a desire for bubble tea and i know where it comes from now <laughs> yeah so that's that's weird first i was confused because i read the version of the myth where like the last thing that flew out of the box was hope but i guess that yeah in the original myth she tries to close the box as, as quickly as possible but for some reason um by the time she closes it everything else flies out aside from hope yeah, now I'm just picking on ancient Greek myths and that's, <laughs> that's getting us <laughs> nowhere. But still, it's it's very confusing to me. So, like, the thing that stays in the box is the thing that we have. But the things that fly out of the box is also the things that yeah. we have. So It makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it also doesn't make sense in the episode. Like, they, they do change some things, but that's not one of them. 
why i don't know and then pandora is like yeah so this is why they were after me and i'm like what huh that that actually does not explain anything like what okay so you have this box and the box has hope in it therefore they want to kill you that makes sense why <laughs> it does like if if they were thinking that she's the original pandora who kind of like caused all of those disasters then yes maybe but but she didn't cause disaster she caused desire she didn't <laughs> desire <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's um, so far, like, Xena is not the show that you would watch to experience strong moments of logic, but <laughs> even by the show's standards, this is a low point in terms of making it make sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true, like, one, one of the lowest points, but um, I liked in this conversation when Zina had this sneaky psychological move of getting Pandora to hold the baby so she would let go of the box. She asks Gabrielle for help. Gabrielle needs to give the baby to Pandora and thus Pandora lets go of the box. And we can we can see that that was kind of Zina's plan. Yeah, yeah. Zina is doing like sneaky therapy for Pandora, <laughs> for uh, reasons that are unclear, but uh, sure. Let's talk about the box for a moment. Yeah. So the box is like um, maybe the size of like an old uh, chess set, mm -hmm. slightly fatter maybe. And on top of it, it has like a metal fingerprint, like handprint situation. But I don't understand what the handprint is for. Like, is it a specific hand shape? <laughs> that seems very easy to circumvent. Like, hand shapes are generally very similar <laughs> across, across people. They don't tend to have, like, a sneaky sixth finger, uh, you know, that would prevent them from using that. Is it, like, some kind of a weird fingerprint? Does it read, like, the intricate lines on your hand hand id yeah <laughs> exactly but that wouldn't be the same for the grandma and the granddaughter unless they're clones of each other unless they're clones. maybe maybe they're clones <laughs> and that's what look okay this explains everything because <laughs> later in the episode um gabby asks pandora about whether pandora wants to have kids and pandora's like oh this was never an option for me. And I was like, why wasn't that an option for you? And now I understand she cannot have kids. She can only make clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's logical because someone needs to carry that stupid box around. So she just clones herself and thus this continues. Yeah. Okay. We solved this episode, but in the meantime, our plot goes on the evil advisor is leading the search for the baby and he stresses that it's not necessary to find the infant alive i repeat it's not necessary to find the infant alive kill him already um gabby zina and pandora are and the unnamed infant are in the inn where they asked to check their weapons so zina has to put her sword and her chakram um, on a coat hanger 
I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird that that's like, and Zena doesn't have any questions about it. She's like, oh yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those uh, ins where you have to check your check your weapons. <laughs> Didn't put them on the code hang. Like sure, it's like one of those clubs where you have to like uh, give away your your cell phone because everyone's a kid. Yeah. Um, actually. <laughs> So you you say that the infant is unnamed, but but Gabrielle actually does decide that he should be called Gabriel because uh, she just is a very selfless person. Uh, Gabby and Pandora are chatting about how cute the kid is. Uh, Gabby uh, goes so far in her <laughs> mommy uh, fantasies that she mentions that the child has her nose. It's like. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the fuck that is. Also, I'm one of those people that just is unable to see any features in an infant. Like all infants do actually look like clones to me. <laughs> so how they can see uh anything in that nose other than it's a human nose um is <laughs> unclear to me. But the innkeeper, of course, appears to be a greedy asshole, and he informs the guards that the baby's here. Xena says that she's suspicious, but not enough to leave immediately. And then the evil advisor shows up and utters the greatest line in the episode so far, by the order of King Gregor, this child is under arrest. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Also, how do they know that this is the correct baby? That's a good question. Do they just arrest all babies? Prince of Egypt style, arrest all babies, and we assume what they're going to do with all babies. So yeah, yeah. Further down the line, we see like we'll get to we'll see people crazily hunting for this particular baby, and I I don't want to think about the consequences for that particular village. Yeah, yeah. the The village is going to have some demographic problems in in twenty years. Decline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really dark. Yep. The bad guys show up to arrest the baby, and Zena then realizes that she's checked her weapons, and, and so she doesn't have much to use to to fight those those guys with. But she can improvise. She's Zena. Come on. So Zena improvises. Uh, she like hits some people with a with a candlestick. Um, she she puts some alcohol in her mouth and she blows that over the fire, thus blowing fire into the face of, of the guard that is trying to arrest the child. And as a little child pyromaniac, I was transfixed by this fire blowing thing. I tried to replicate it. I tried to like blow some kind of liquids over over candles. I, I always failed. At some point I was like, Okay, you know what? I don't know how to do this, so I just used uh, perfumes. I would like steal people's perfumes and spray perfumes over open fires uh, to to achieve that effect. And I was like, "Yes, this is the coolest thing!" <laughs> but did it work with the perfumes? Yes, yes, it worked really well, and it also smelled nice. Wow. <laughs> Just as a side note, I never burned anything down that I wasn't supposed to burn down, even though the the ceiling in my in my childhood room was black. Wow, I would not assume that it would work with perfumes. That's a, such a nice trick. Like if you are chased by someone down the street and you have time to take out a lighter and your perfume, yeah. you kind of can defend yourself Xena style. You you have a flamethrower. 
Um, so, of course, she defeats the bad guys off, but one of them uh, manages to snag Pandora's yeah. box. And so I suppose in this episode, we have like a double MacGuffin uh, with the box and the baby. Um, actually, now that I think of it, a double MacGuffin sounds like something you could order at McDonald's. Like, can I have a double <laughs> MacGuffin with fries and extra cheese? <laughs> <laughs> and a plot twist. But yeah, yeah. And like that's one of the reasons why this episode doesn't quite work for me, because a lot of it relies on main characters handling yep. the two MacGuffins. And handling them with not so much care, I would add. No, <laughs> we'll get to not. that. So Xena applies the uh, her interrogation techniques uh, with cutting off the blood flow to the brain to the innkeeper because she saw him tell that the baby's here and the innkeeper spills that King Gregor is looking to kill the child. Which is like, how did she not know that? Or... Um, no, I think she wouldn't. Like right now she's just in an inn and someone randomly okay, tries okay, to kill fair, the baby. Fair. So we're back to the evil advisor who reports that everything is bad. We have Xena, the warrior princess, protecting the child. And I wonder, how does he know the name of the show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at this point, and possibly forever, we still don't know why Xena is called the warrior princess, why everyone knows that she's the warrior princess. She just is. It's, she has good PR, and uh, everyone is very <laughs> aware of her brand. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I can assume that maybe when she was a murderous warlord rummaging through the city, she had her army chant, like, beware of Xena, the warrior princess, or something like that. So everyone remembers it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the evil advisor suggests that Xena would try to blackmail the king with the child and Pandora's box. Which, again, does not that make make that much sense because he's like Xena is an evil murderer of course she would open the box but the thing is if like if we agree that ha that's how it works if you open the box and the hope is gone it's going to be bad for everyone like it's going to be bad for everyone including the evil advisor so like why are we treating it as a point of blackmail from both sides yeah, yeah, none of none of it makes sense. Also, at some point, the the evil advisor points at a map and mentions like, "Oh, this is a peasant area," and I'm like, "Bitch, this is ancient Greece. Isn't basically the whole world at this point a peasant area? Like, as opposed to what, like, industrial chic?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's not it's not an elite part of your kingdom. It's like a peasant area. So the evil dudes sets a bounty to hunt uh, for the child among the peasants. And he's like, has a price on the child's head at that point. And he intends to trade Xena, the box for the baby. Um, I guess, again, I, I don't understand why would that trade happen, but okay. So we're back with Xena and Pandora in the camp and a couple of other plot driving conversations happen. And I would say that during those conversations, the child behaves like a very well-taught MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. The the child is only nominally <laughs> alive. Like, it doesn't really show any no. signs of, of life. 
and then Pandora is sitting there with a complete blank face. And so Zena guesses it's, it's the first time she's ever been without her box and she's like really traumatized and lost without it. And I feel like the show is kind of predicting smartphone addiction. Like this is the first time that Bob doesn't have his smartphone with him. He doesn't know what to do. He feels like a part of his body is missing. <laughs> so Pandora is panicking because the plot thickens and there's another element to the box drama because if she does not reset the lock by midnight, the box opens itself. Da -da -da -da. And that's bad because I guess the hope leaves. There's no more hope. I don't know. Yeah, we lose hope for all humanity. So, but that that kind of reminds me of uh, another another show, and this is kind of. An ongoing theme for me uh, at this point of like Xena influencing <laughs> all film and TV made uh, in, the, in the forthcoming years. Um, so what Pandora describes, it's like basically the lost system where in the bunker they had to enter the code every 108 minutes or the world would end. Except that here, like it matters who enters the code, but it's... Uh, I wonder whether the creators of, of Lost have watched this episode of Xena. <laughs> That's a good topic for a, a film major dissertation, I feel like. Xena influenced the whole movie culture from the 90s up until now. And who's to say that she didn't? She might have. She might have. It's a great show. Getting back to the plot of this particular episode, um, Xena meets the king. And when they were setting up that meeting, I would imagine that Xena would go to the palace alone. And she's, she even says, like, oh, I will meet the king alone. And, of course, like, she's a badass. She can do it. But no, it's the opposite. The king and his evil advisor meet Xena in an inn, Harun al-Rashid style. Which is like, why? Like, why would you expose your king to that kind of danger? I don't, I don't know. Um, also, it seems that uh, Zina is following the Putin uh, guidebook of meeting other countries' leaders because she's um, late to the meeting. But that actually made me wonder, like, how do they know that she's late? Because we're at this point, like, in a moment way, way, way before clocks existed in in any like accurate manner so how do they know that she's late yeah that's a that's a good question maybe they just have a very good biological clock all of them at this point <laughs> sure xena's so, negotiations with the king are super weird xena wants to look into the king's eyes and see like if he's a person who would order the child's death but that's not necessary because he already did. Zena has no information contradicting that. Uh, the king says that he knows that Zena is a heartless murderer, and he says that he would do anything to protect his lands against Zena. And if it means the death of him or the death of this child, so be it. That makes no sense. No. Like, what, what does killing the child have to do with saving the lands from Zena? Like, it's just, what? And yeah, the negotiations amount to nothing. Like Zena asks, did you bring the box? The evil advisor asks, did you bring the baby? That goes nowhere. 
Yep. The scene could just be deleted from, from the episode. But back in the camp, uh, Zena and Gabby talk, and Gabby says that she found a way into the castle uh, because she found a maid, the, this maid at the beginning of the episode who saved the child. So Gabby did a good job, and she again mentions that you fight, I talk. Um, and then Zena says that she looked into Gregor's eyes and she didn't see an evil man. I don't know if she saw a stupid man, but... Yeah, yeah. Side note, I noticed in that particular scene how much of a height difference there is between Zena and Gabrielle. It's not something I've noticed that much before, but here it really seems that Zena is this towering warrior goddess and and Gabrielle is just this like little petite. Yeah. Pe- yeah. Petite is actually what what she she would have said, I think herself. And coming back to the conversation with the maid, Zena asks the maid like if she could like lead her into the castle. She says, "Yeah, but not tonight because tonight is this festival where people eat and drink and that then things get really really dark because it appears that during this festival the evil advisor has some girls dancing for him and then he chooses one and Zena immediately assumes like are you one of the dancers and the girl has this grim look of her on her face and like nods it's a, a little casual rape uh, insinuation uh, yeah that, that surprised me <laughs> it was weird and uh, and then also I don't understand why that means that Zena can get into the castle that day. No, she cannot get into the castle because it's like a feast. So she is like the girl says that it's going to be a lot of people and she being not very oh. versed in this sort of thing, she says like if it's a lot of people it's bad, but I guess that Zena is like, "Oh no, a lot of good a lot of people is good. Oh. We can blend in." Yeah. Sometimes we have like this lightheartedness of this episode where they're trying to keep it a little lighthearted, but like it also goes into this very grim <laughs> place. Then Gabrielle and Pandora hide in plain sight as the villagers rummage through the onion stands looking for the baby. Yeah, like the villagers are really, really losing their shit and looking for babies everywhere. Meanwhile, there are these two women straight up carrying the baby <laughs> openly like surely someone would have noticed it's 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 real bizarre the episode tries to kind of like show that the baby is in grave danger and we're supposed to care for it but also the characters themselves are treating the baby really carelessly so i'm like okay i don't know if i should care for this child at this point but anyway like in the next scene which is much more exciting yeah, yeah. the Evil advisors having himself a feast with a belly dancing party. Yeah, yeah. Also, like a side note, I I didn't enjoy this this episode uh, for the most part, but it has some really really mm-hmm. cute camera work. Like the camera pans here and there uh, on the at the feast. We have a pan through the table with all these lavish dishes. Um, and yeah, it, it looks it looks quite good. That's uh, <laughs> possibly my favorite part about That's it. possibly one of my favorite scenes in the episode because, of course, as we would know, one of the belly dancers is Zena, who took the place of the maid. And boy, does she put on a show. Yeah, yeah. It's repeatedly established more in the uh, upcoming episodes, not so much so far, that Zena has many skills. 
Oh, yeah. And I think in many cases, a warrior woman, like uh, I think Brienne of Tarth from, from Game of Thrones, would not be feminine at all and kind of would struggle with a task of belly dancing for some prick. Um, but <laughs> because it's the 90s, Xena has it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a streak of those badass women in the 90s, like Char Charlie's Angels or Nikita, that were also really feminine and could use their feminine power to their advantage. But I really enjoy that Xena, in comparison to most of those women, for example, is not tiny. Like... Charlie's Angels and like even like Angelina Jolie when she plays Lara Croft, they're like supermodel proportions. So they are really, really thin. Mm -hmm. And it's like a fantasy of like, haha, oh, okay, I'm, I, I'm sure they can fight. But when you look at them, you kind of don't see that. And I love that Xena, like when you look at Lucy Lawless, like you can see a warrior woman. Um, but on top of that, she's really sexy and has good moves and can dance to the pricks and then knock them out. So I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the king interrupts the party, looks at his advisor like he's his teenage son having <laughs> friends over too late. And the evil advisor had Pandora's box near him on the table and the king is like, oh, okay, let, let me... Let me take that. And after the king leaves, the evil dude looks worried that the king is becoming too much of a party pooper, a.k.a. has too many moral principles. And he basically, like, whispers to one of his men, like, be ready to, I don't know, overthrow the king if need be. Like, there is, there is a hint of that. Yeah, and that goes so quickly. It's like... The whole episode, the advisor is like, oh, I must do everything to ensure that the king is not overthrown, including killing newborns. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, fuck the king. Let's let's kill the king. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really a line that gets mm. anywhere because evil advisor is dead before he manages to do anything. Like, spoiler alert, he, he gets killed. But like I think it's obvious when a person is repeatedly saying things like kill the child the person is going to be killed by the end of the episode but he says looking at Zena as a undercover belly dancer he says that she should be brought to his room there is a bunch of things that happen in this episode i'm going to go through them fairly quickly so we can bitch about it so gabby tells pandora that she has a knack of taking care of children and as we mentioned pandora is like yeah but i don't want to have kids of my own because reasons xena uses her sultry voice to seduce the evil advisor and find out where the king's chambers are and then she punches him and knocks him out very quickly like he's gone immediately i'm like yep sure yeah it was it was very satisfying so mm -hmm. the king is in his chamber pining for his child and suffering and i guess that's what makes him a good guy i guess xena also i thought that she's going to talk to him but she just knocks him out and gets the box then a bunch of really silly things happen because xena is running through the city carrying the box like a literal ticking time bomb at the very last second when a digital clock on the box, I'm kidding, there is no digital clock, but like almost <laughs> is. 
almost runs out like with like zero 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 point one seconds pandora resets the clock yeah and, like everything happens in <laughs> slow-mo at that point which is horrible and i'm like why is everything in slow-mo what is happening oh god um so like crisis averted right like they reset the clock they could go but no Zena mm -hmm. decides what the heck i'll give the baby to the king who wanted to kill him in the first place yeah she Zena's mission is this in this episode seems to be like weird unconsensual therapizing yeah. of random people that she runs into by means of giving them babies <laughs> So she she sees Pandora and she's like, you know what this what this person needs? <laughs> a baby. Here's your baby. Therapy successful. She, then she sees the king and she's like, you know what this king needs? <laughs> a baby. And she gives that king a baby and solves all of his problems that way. Uh, yeah. Did anyone ask for this? Nope. But Zena's like, exactly what you need. <laughs> seems to be the case so Zena talks to the king and she interprets the prophecy for him as we interpreted it at the very beginning because it's not that hard <laughs> <laughs> you can just adopt the child and he'll take over your throne as an heir not as a conqueror and then the king goes I was so blind the evil advisor of course comes in and he draws the sword because he's like no we still need to kill the kid and instead of doing the logical thing of giving the king the kid to hold safely because the king already realized that oh my god i'm a good guy the screenwriters wanted it all along and then just kill the evil advisor because you're xena and you can take this dude xena says no and just storms off with a baby with a baby, because the baby is going to be much safer in the square where, first of all, all the villagers are hunt uh, bounty hunting for him. And second of all, of course, a bunch of guards are trying to kill him. So then happens the most nerve-wracking fight scene so far, because Zena is fighting off the guards, and Zena and Gabrielle are throwing the baby to each other like a ping-pong ball. <laughs> More like a more like an American football. Here, catch! No, you catch. Yeah. <laughs> and Gabrielle at some point throws the baby in a random direction and closes her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's it's a choice. This scene. Oh my god! Yeah. But in the end, everyone's defeated. Zena kills the the evil advisor, and everyone cheers. Like everyone cheer, cheers, as if they're not the same people who are just rummaging through the audience stand to find a baby to kill it for the thousand dinaris. It's so weird. Also, it's like extremely bad extra acting. <laughs> yeah, like, like yay! Like the extras are being like woohoo! Like party! <laughs> Uh, so we have our closure to the oh like, for the King Gregor and Pandora who come into some weird arranged marriage co-parenting thing because he's like, oh, this kid needs a mother and you can like safely keep your Pandora's box in my palace and we're just going to live here and raise the 
kid. Yeah. Which I mean, like, I like that they do this. I, I will I will give them that for, for this episode because I feel like it's quite a random thing. You don't you don't see that a lot in like films and, and uh TV shows where two people who are not in a relationship, uh not like in a sexual or romantic relationship, just decide to raise a kid together because it's just the most logical solution. Um, and I like Xena being like sneakily <laughs> progressive there. <laughs> yeah, well yeah, I I agree here. I'll give them that. Um and uh they ask Zina if she wants anything for saving everybody, and she says, well, name the kid Gabriel. That's kind of sweet, I guess. And then we come to the last and incredibly stupid scene, because Zina is casually walking in the room, which seems to be the king's treasury, because there are a lot of gold and pearls and jewels just thrown in there, and Gabby is casually standing among those gold necklaces and pearls and staring at the box because she's tempted to open it again. And they have this little conversation and they're like, are you ready to go? Ready to go? They turn and Gabby casually drops the box. The box flies open and of course there's nothing in it. But also like, what were they expecting? Expecting to see like how do they know that it's empty you can't see it so what if it flew open and and now hope is out ah panic panic but but they don't see it and they're like ha! not real oh the box was open and we didn't see hope in the box or like flying out of the box in some sh weird shape and thus, there it was empty. And I'm like, that? Are you sure that's how it works? Like, what makes you so certain? Yeah, yeah. Like, there were no special effects, aka that means that hope is not in the box. And then they have like this some sort of conversation, like pseudo philosophical conversation of like, oh, Pandora was the one who was carrying hope inside her, like, Ugh. because hope is like inside every one of us. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> no sense. And also poor Pandora. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, should we tell her? And Gina's like, yeah, of course we tell her. We don't make her <laughs> reset the bar. Because Gabby was like, let's just like put everything in its place and just have her and possibly her daughters or clones reset the box till the end of time. <laughs> and Gina's like, nah. <laughs> to the question <laughs> how many chakrams do you give this episode oh, i'm hesitating between two and three <laughs> honestly it's it's a bad one it's they really didn't put much into this episode let's go to i'm like trying to find things to justify giving it a three, but they're just not there. It's a two, two out of 10. It's a two only because I remember that further down the line, there are going to be episodes centered around Joxer that are going to be worse. <laughs> 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 but 
but only for that reason it's a two and not a zero <laughs> yeah oh god yeah i think this will be very interesting for me because i i watched the show at an age where joxer was like my shit really <laughs> like i mean joxer is a perfect character for like a dumb seven-year-old <laughs> you know he's stupid he sings little songs <laughs> he does this like oh i'm bad at everything thing that kids find really entertaining for whatever reason <laughs> so i like my memories of joxer are just like me having the best time Aww. Um, and now I'm going to rewatch it as an adult and be like, uh... It's interesting because I, I have the same sentiment about Joxer, but the opposite. Because I was a teenager and a lot of things annoyed me. And Joxer annoyed me yep. just to no end. But maybe now I can appreciate him more as, I don't know... A character with growth or whatever. Let's let's see when we get to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and that's it for episode four, Cradle of Hope. Let's let's hope it's uh, uphill from here until we meet Joxer. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon to discuss episode five. Yay! Thank you. Bye.